This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. It's your club, and this is your show. Well, the big one is here. The Champions League final is on the horizon, and if you're anything like me, then the nerves are already getting out of hand. Welcome to today's Blue Moon podcast, where we're going to spend the next hour and a bit trying to calm each other down, and let's be honest, probably failing to calm each other down as well. Uh, We're also saying our goodbyes to Sergio Aguero, who played his final match for City at the Etihad on Sunday, and Howard Hockin will be back on the show later on as well. I'm your host, David Mooney. I'm joined this week by City fans Chris Higginbottom. Hey, hope you're eating. I'm not too bad, thanks. And uh, Richard Burns. All right, guys, how you doing? Can't complain, can't complain. Chris, you well? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. You know, can't grumble. Well, I could, but I won't. Good, good. Um, Well, uh, this is the bit of the show where we would normally talk about the games that have just passed. Uh, But this week is uh, not a normal week, is it? So uh, we're going to be talking about the departure of Sergio Aguero. Hi, this is Kieran Murray. Uh, I'm beyond gutted and really, really sad to have let go of Sergio Aguero. Hi, I'm Bob. Aguero, to me, embodies what modern Manchester City is. Hello, it's Adam. City signed Sergio when my daughter was one or two. She's 11 now and I've seen her grow up alongside Sergio's City career. It's weird to chart it like that, but that's the kind of impact that he's had over these years. He was part of the City family. It was part of the match day routine. If he was fit, you knew he'd be the first name on the team sheet. Hi, it's Casey. What does Sergio Aguero mean to me? I love the little man. From the moment he turned up, he was just absolutely incredible. Started scoring against United immediately. Um, hat-tricks all over the place. Just uh, an absolutely wonderful little fella. Hi, I'm Dan Burke. I think like everyone, I, I knew we'd signed a good player and after his debut against Swansea, there, there was no doubt about that. But I could never have imagined he, he would go on to be such a legend who has embedded himself in, in City and Premier League folklore forever, really. How much help has he given us throughout the years with all the silverware? An absolute living legend. Part of that old spine that we used to talk about with Hart, company, yeah, yeah. David Silva and uh, Aguero as the spearhead. His number of goals, the goals to minute ratio is insane. He's the type of footballer that I, I dreamt of being when I was a kid. He scores all types of goals, headers, long shots, tap-ins, just unbelievable. One by one, we watched them all kind of disappear. The last one just was a, a complete living legend and um, I swear we'll never see anything like him ever again. He's just a truly special player, one that will miss ridiculously. We won't replace him like for like because you can't, there'll only ever be one Sergio. He was the first player to win us that title. He was the first striker to get us to those levels that we'd never seen before, certainly in this generation. Great player, just seems a fantastic guy and I'm just going to miss him so much. Could score every type of goal under the sun. He could create goals for himself. He could make average passes look world-beating. Great in the air, great off either foot. I think if you if you think of the typical Sergio Aguero finish, though, it's the hit it until the lever comes off the casey right into the near post. I don't think there's a better near post finisher that's ever existed in football. It's really sad to see him go, uh, but I feel like his two goals against Everton and, and nabbing Wayne Rooney's record was a perfect, poetic way to close the book on his City career, and I, I wish him all the very best in the next chapter. I think it's, it's true that the term legend gets bandied around a bit too much these days, but if Sergio Aguero isn't a City legend, then who on earth is? It's heart-wrenching to see him go but 
what a perfect way to end by scoring two goals as a substitute against Everton. It's exactly how he started his City career, coming off the bench to score two goals against Swansea. So the symmetry is perfect. I'm so sad to see him go, but an absolute legend. It just means the world to us. All the tributes, all the thoughts have just been, the outpouring have just been so emotionally and it's been deserved, thoroughly deserved. His final game was fitting, a great tribute. He showed what he can do. Perhaps he's not shown it enough this season. And we've got to remember he's not fit and he's still doing those type of things that we've come to love and come to know. And he's just a truly special generational talent. I'm really going to miss him uh, because I love him. Um, and I'm just gutted that I wasn't there for his last two goals because man can't go out without, uh, without being on a high, can he? Really, really love you, Sergio. Thanks for everything. Tributes there to Sergio Aguero from some of the Blue Moon podcast regulars. Um, how are you both feeling? Chris, how are you feeling? <sighs> a little bit flat, but there's, you know, you got you got to look at what he's what he's given us and be and be gracious and appreciative. Um, there's also a little bit of a, a little bit of an anticipatory bubbling under the under the surface. I think we all have this secret desire for him to do something in the in the final against Chelsea and you know he wouldn't necessarily be delving into the realms of ridiculousness to to think that he might pop up and do something special late on in that game if he comes on as a sub or obviously I wouldn't start him obviously but you just never know I mean he's a big game player he scores big goals he's his record is exemplary it speaks for itself goals Per minute um, occasion, I mean, it's, I don't, you the superlatives like the accolades that that man um, elicits are, you know, not they're manifold and deserved. And I just, there's, there's, I'm, I struggle to to sort of gather in the language available to me to express what. Sergio Aguero means to me as a as a city fan. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna miss him like a like a like a family member. Like that, him departing is seriously gonna be a, a big thing. Like it's it's I'm almost a little bit like it's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? But it's you know, joy is joy and love is love, and he's just exudes it. He's both of those things. Yeah, Richard, how are you, how are you feeling? Got it. It's um, it, it's just it's just sad that he's going because um, you you sort of feel sometimes like somebody's going to be there forever because the the absolute constant in um in watching City over the last decade has been Sergio Aguero scoring goals. I don't think there's been I don't think there's been a bigger constant than that other than knowing that the Blue Moon podcast is coming every Thursday <laughs> um, or every Friday. Like it's um. Just a magnificent footballer, an absolutely magnificent footballer. I think it's there'll always be arguments. I think it was it was Tiger Woods who said that you can never decide the best in something, but if you're in the conversation, then you've done your bit. And and I think Aguero falls into that. But what you can do is you can say his goals to minutes are the best that anybody's ever produced in the Premier League. And and there's been some pretty good strikers down the years in in our league. So. Um, there is supporting evidence to say that he's the best striker to have ever done it in the Premier League. And if, if you 
say that, then football is the best it's ever been because it constantly progresses. So he's the best striker. If you take that view, it's the best striker to have ever done it in this country. Um, just a, absolutely extraordinary footballer. And I, I'm really sad to see him go. And I think what, what tugs on my heartstrings a bit in a way that some of the recent departures haven't done is it feels a little bit less like his timing. Um, in fact, it feels like, I think we know that. I think it's clear that he would have signed another year if the option was available to him. Um, and, and I think he, on a sentimental level, deserves to pick his timing. I know that that isn't how you run a, a business and a football team and, and um, build something towards success. But from an emotional point of view, and that's how we as fans should see it, yeah, he deserved, he deserved to pick his moment and I feel a little bit sad that he didn't get to do that. But ultimately, like Chris, it's grateful that we got to see him for so long. Yeah, Chris, when, I mean, you say you can't put into words the emotions. Can you can you put into words what, what you think he's done for City in terms of just, I mean, what his goals have meant to City over the last decade? Well, he gave us a belief um, from the very moment he, he burst into our kind of consciousness uh, against Swansea. You, I mean, I'd heard of him. Um, I'd seen little bits. And once I heard we were linked with him, uh, I looked at, you know, looked at his bits on YouTube as you do, and it's like, whoa, this guy can, this guy can, you know, finish. He can dribble. He's powerful. I mean, I grew up uh, all those years ago, looking at players like Romario, and I know the comparison's been made yeah. quite a few times, but it's because it's true I mean that, he was he was a, a special player and he's very sort of Romario-esque but he's beyond Romario-esque he's not you know he's his own <laughs> people will get compared to Sergio Aguero if they're very good and very lucky um, so it's almost a disservice to compare Sergio to, to another player but it's just <laughs> so many qualities he's not only is his goals to minutes ratio absolutely phenomenal which suggests that as you need to be with a striker that you get the ball, you, you're near the goal, you're in between the posts and you get a shot on target and, and, and it goes in, you score goals. But he's unselfish in so many ways as well. The amount of times, you know, in terms of his character, there was a time where Jesus was going through really uh, the player, um, a really... Uh... <laughs> I mean, not our Lord and Saviour. <laughs> yeah, it's not just like segue into a parable, but there was... A time where Jesus was going through a really sticky spell, and Aguero was pretty much clean through. Who was it against? Now Liverpool. To... Liverpool. That? He had uh, Jesus hadn't scored for a while, and yeah. Aguero. And just... I think he had an open goal, and he squared it. Yeah, yeah, he squared it to him. Because, and you know, that's just a measure of the man. You know that he was thinking of his teammate, a young Brazilian who's looking to take his place. So the the Argentinian squares it to him. Who does that? Like, do you know what I mean? You wouldn't get that on, on my Sunday league team. You wouldn't get that. Yeah, my dad always tells a story of uh, somebody he once played football with. I can't. I think it was Sunday league uh, where uh, this fella had a stutter, um, and the only time he never stuttered was when he was swearing. And what happened was he dribbled through the entire opposition, rounded the goalkeeper, and slotted it into the empty net. Except the centre forward had sprinted to get the final touch to uh, to knock it over the line, even though it was going in already. And uh, he just said he never stuttered all the way back to the halfway line. 
That's a strange one. Apparently, Charles the <laughs> First lost his stutter as he made his speech just before they cut his head off. <laughs> but uh, I digress. Yeah. Anyway, anyway so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the measure of the man is—he's he's such a nice person. You can tell everyone loves him. I remember once um, when I was a gardener, we were driving the van back up the uh, um, motorway, and there was a massive um, tailback, and it just so happened. That we pulled alongside uh, Sergio Aguero and his in his Bentley, um, white Bentley, and he had Zabaleta um, with him, and in front in an identical car was Mario Balotelli, um, who was just being Mario Balotelli and kept slamming <laughs> his brakes on and trying to make Sergio crash into, into the back him. of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And like Sergio, you could just see him, he was laughing his head off, just going, oh, why is he doing this? Why is he doing this? And just, just watching this sort of carry on from the, the cab in the, in the van, it was just, everything about, everything you'd, you'd see about him just makes you think, wow, what, what an absolute dude. I mean, the guy's just, like, he's got a heart of gold. I mean, he must have a hat-trick ball pool at his house that he dives into <laughs> when he gets in. It's just, just a ridiculous, consummate, footballer and the fact that his character just shows what a decent guy he is as well he's just can't speak highly enough of him Richard how lucky are we as fans to have seen him because the the the, the thought that always strikes me time and again is uh, look at his talent he could have gone anywhere and he didn't unbelievably lucky like he's um I already said it but one of the best players to have ever played in this country so the fact that we got him and we had um we had his best years and beyond um we are just extremely extremely fortunate as football fans that that was us um i think any football fan you know you, you turn up and watch a player like that whether they're against you whether you're a neutral who's gone on a mate's ticket whether you're watching on tv if you like if your generation has a player of that that quality, you are lucky to get to see them because it's players like that that make football worth watching. Like scoring goals is, it's the purest form of football, isn't it? It's the it's the key it's the part hardest of football. thing to do as well. Yeah, it's um, it it's what we turn up to see is what causes us the most celebration. And Aguero did it hundreds of times. Um, he's just we we are so so lucky that um that we got to see that and. Yeah, I, I think opposition fans coming to the Etihad who've seen him have one of his best days, you might not go away happy with it, but you, you know that you've been in the presence of greatness unquestionably. And that's, as a football fan, sometimes you have to sit back and appreciate that. We've been on the end of it against great players. And, um, and, and Aguero has put other teams on the end of it too. And it's just magnificent. I'd never even thought of it like that, you know. I remember, I remember applauding that Arsenal side off from Main Road when they came yeah. to Main Road and did us, I think, five-one in the end. It was three um, and a half time was it? Yeah, or four and a half four time. Yeah, something ridiculous at half time. I remember applauding them off as as a home fan, just going, Arsenal have been really good today, and Henri especially was fantastic. Mm. Um, and I'd never even thought of it, Chris. But opposition fans do that for Aguero now. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, even United fans speak highly of Aguero. And he murdered them on several occasions. Like, ah, oh, this, this, ah, oh, just the, that that goal against United, the Phil Jones face goal, uh, <laughs> as, as it will as it will forever be known. Yeah, one would hope. Yeah, <laughs> but like, he just he just ploughed through them and and just, you know, I I grew up 
getting got getting absolute abuse from United fans and you don't you don't expect that it will ever stop. You know, I remember um certain derby games like there was one when we were tuning up at Main Road and we lost three two and I remember saying to my dad like, Are we ever gonna beat United? Because I don't think I'd ever seen us win a derby and you just start thinking, Is this ever gonna stop? And Aguero just like talk about turning the tables, it's like this guy owns you. This guy <laughs> this guy will score against you. I love him because you must absolutely quail when you see him on the team sheet because you know he's just going to give you nothing but pain. He's going to score against you. We're going to win. Good yeah. night. Sit down. Yeah, there was there was a run where uh, I think David De Gea had, uh, had, had had played something like ten Manchester derbies and never kept a clean sheet because Aguero would beat him every time or something mm. like something ridiculous like that. Just just one after just game after game after game, you can guarantee his goals. Um, I, I want to kind of pivot to the Everton game because Richard, you were lucky enough to be there on Sunday. Um, what was it? What was it like when he came on? It was it was touching. Like obviously, you get that um, that moment where people are looking out for looking at the subs bench once it gets past a certain time. You sort of don't really bother with that in the first half because he's obviously not coming on then. But then once you start getting to 55, 60 minutes, you're casting your eye over, looking at him warming up. Is he coming back to the bench? And then obviously when you see him start taking his bib off and getting match ready, there's like a people are chanting his name just to ready to appreciate him. Um, and then Everton kept the ball for the longest spell that they did in the game and um, probably the longest spell that they have done for the last few months. Um, <laughs> they, they, they didn't want him to, clearly didn't want him to have his moment. But no, it was um, just, it was just really exciting and it was really nice and you knew it was going to be um, emotional and obviously him coming on signified, I suppose, the the marking of the end because we were watching, you know, it's not unfeasible that sort of any touch from that point could be pretty much his last one. Everybody's desperate for him to score. We haven't had that moment really with any of the other departures. Um, I remember sort of Yaya getting a good chance towards the end of his and then just after he went off, we got a free kick in prime Yaya territory um, and, and he didn't get his goal. So everybody I think was just desperate for him to score and obviously he was, he was chasing down that record for the most goals for, most Premier League goals for one club. So just, it was great. And, and it was also really sad because he deserved a full stadium. Yeah. But the fact that he could, he could get some sense of what he means to, to the, uh, the people of our club, it was, it was very, very touching. Yeah, Chris, we we worried when he came on that he wouldn't get enough. To, that there wasn't enough time for him to to get on the score sheet with the game, you know, as as comfortable as it was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was his decision to start on the bench as well, apparently, according to yeah. to Pep, which I think was well, obviously, retrospectively, you can you can be twenty twenty hindsight wise, but I mean, it's like he obviously knows something we don't, doesn't he? I, he he sees things that that people don't see or he wouldn't be able to score that amount of goals but the the finishes that he produced against Everton were nothing short of sublime that that little shimmy the drop of the shoulder he finds that space and to just use the outside of his foot to just just steer it home like it's it, it deserves the ball needs to be there and yes thank you the, the universe has spoken <laughs> that is where the ball is ending up and that header like oh my god what a delicious piece of just you know that is how you head a football it, 
I remember saying at the time, like that's like Niall Quinn. The, the ball started outside the post and curled in. Pretty good. <laughs> pretty gutted that Gary Neville followed up and said he was a bit like Niall Quinn. Nicking my shit there, Gary. Like, <laughs> yeah, just uh, you know, you run. He's he's one of these players. You just run out of superlatives for him. I, I just yeah. We were talking about him a bit. I, I talked to him a little bit in the, in the patron, and I had to stop myself. I, I genuinely, you know, he does inspire such emotion that like that banner where it said you changed our lives was like it's really struck a chord. I was looking at a lot of the other banners, and some of them, frankly, the fonts annoyed me. Uh, the use of space, uh, wrong colour, uh, you know, light blue against white. It's, it, it, come on, you look at the cameraman zoomed in on that. Like, you've not chosen wisely there. But that banner uh, really did chime uh, true. He has changed so many lives. The ripple effect of him, what he's done, the amount of, if you just even just that that title winning goal in 2012, the amount of babies. Born because of that, the amount of relationships <laughs> saved, the amount of United fans who will have fallen out and maybe never spoken again, you know, had to leave home. I mean, it's just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. What he's, what he's provided us with uh, culturally uh, is not to be uh, underestimated. Richard, obviously, the uh, the first goal, especially. Um, you know it. You know it. A goal means something when the goalkeeper runs the length of the pitch to celebrate with the team and dive all over everybody. Edison did that. Um, talk me through what it was like in the ground. The moment you realised not that he was not not that he had scored, but that he was going to score. Well, first of all. I don't know that Edison running the length of the pitch is a signifier of anything other than Edison hate is, is the goalkeeper who most hates being in his own box. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think any, any excuse for him. But no, it, it was it was great. Like obviously the ball comes to him uh, probably slightly unexpectedly because Everton had um, had been in what I recall as fairly easy possession. I don't think they should have lost the ball really. Um, but when it drops to him from Fernandinho's tackle interception. Um, you just had that sense of this is like this this is the moment and you're um, off your seat at that point yeah exactly exactly and yeah everybody um everybody was bouncing and i mean they say don't the great entertainers always leave you wanting more and i i don't know that i don't know that he could have done that in any better way except in what saturday might hold yet but um in in terms of bowing out of the etihad I, I wish I wish he was staying longer, and that was sort of the, the first text I sent after he'd scored that goal, or maybe it was after the header. I can't remember, but I, certainly after one of them. Why is he leaving? And I know, like I know why he's leaving, but yeah, it was just it was just a great moment. Like the the first one was great because he'd given you that dream ending, and the second one was the icing on the cake to take the record because he's, yeah. he's 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 he deserves that record. Yeah, um, you, you you look back. Again, just to, to bring his goals to minutes back into it. Like, you, you're basically talking about if Aguero's playing, you almost know that you're starting a goal down. And I know that excludes, like, five against Newcastle and 12 hat-tricks, but you just extrapolate pure numbers. He's probably going to score against you. He's, he's, I'd say he's more likely to score against you than not in, in any given game. He's just game. that good, isn't he? He's just that yeah. good. Yeah, so... Um, that those two goals, I mean, as Chris said, it's not like they were tappings worthy. They were 
they were brilliant goals that represented the variety that he's shown us. And um, I think it also quite fitting that the two goals came at the same end as the QPR goal and his, his first two goals for City as well. Yeah, yeah, beautiful symmetry to that. Yeah. Well, as we've said, uh, Aguero is the uh, final one of the title-winning team from 2012 to leave. After 389 games, 260 goals and 14 pieces of silverware, with possibly more on Saturday, it's time to say goodbye to everyone's favourite striker. I've been taking a look at Aguero's last decade at City. I've got another confession to make. There's only one place to start. It's finished at Sunderland. Manchester United have done all they can. That Rooney goal was enough for the three points. Manchester City are still alive here. Balotelli, Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. So watch it. Drink it in. Two goals in added time for Manchester City to snatch the title away from Manchester United. That goal will forever be one of the most amazing moments in football history. Here's how Aguero remembers it. That goal for me is the most important to my life. So all the time I watch that game. My father all the time. <laughs> also my son. But uh, yeah, I think that that goal is will be uh, all the time in my mind. He was speaking to Martin Tyler for Sky Sports. Just the only one I remember I say, Mario, you to be in the... the Number nine. So if I receive the ball, I I try to 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 find you to want want to you know. And I say okay. And then the the first moment when I receive the ball, just I look to Mario. My mind in, in that moment, I think um, I thought, okay, I have to one chance, one chance. That was the culmination of Aguero's first season at City. He'd been phenomenal all year and had left a lasting impression on his debut. Here's how Joe Hart and Vincent Company responded after that 4-0 win over Swansea, where Aguero scored twice from the bench. He's not bad. Now he's coming. Um, 38 million is a big price tag, and 38 million well spent. You know, we've not really seen much of him. Um, the, the manager's kept him quite well protected. Obviously, he's had a big summer. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely coming with a surprise. I would say um, he's, he's got great potential, and um, you know, the most important for me is that. Also, you saw some some moments of him, you know, defending and you know being hard on the man. And for our, for us, for the team, for the season, is going to be very important. His manager at the time, Roberto Mancini, was also singing his praises. For me, he's a fantastic striker. He's a young. I think that uh, for us, he will be a fantastic player in the future. Aguero developed well at City. By his third season, Manuel Pellegrini was the manager, and the striker had an excellent understanding with new signing Alvaro Negredo. Here's how Paul Everton judged it on the podcast. I think Negredo has been fantastic for Aguero. He, he holds the ball so well, and he brings Aguero into the playoffs. This season, he's been absolutely unplayable, and I think you have to credit that to Negredo, his willingness to run. And to be fair, Tevez wanted a bit of attention, Jekyll wanted a bit of attention, but I think Negredo's happy to be you know, the second man sort of thing and help Aguero play his best. The goals have been a constant. In his City career, he scored against 32 of the 33 Premier League teams he's faced. He has the Premier League records for the most goals by a foreign player, the most goals for one club and the most hat-tricks. I'm so happy for the, the record, but thank my, my teammate because uh, they helped me uh, in this nine year, so I'm, I'm so happy. When I scored the second, and then I think one more, I break the record of the hat-trick, no? That's so, right, yeah. So, uh, nah, I, I want to keep uh, scoring more goals, but 
all depend my my teammate. And all of that was after becoming City's all-time leading scorer. That was in November 2017 when he scored his 178th goal. He overtook Eric Brook. That was in a 4-2 win over Napoli, and he spoke to City TV afterwards. I'm very happy for for this moment. So now is I'm very happy because to win. I'm very happy for my my teammate because uh, they helped to me uh, every game and the support uh, and the, the staff. So my family in Argentina and my friends. So. I'm very happy for, for this moment. No? It's not all been plain sailing though. There was speculation he may never get the chance to reach that landmark. That was back in 2016. When Pep Guardiola arrived, there was tension as Aguero was occasionally left out of the team. The new manager wanted more from the striker, but always insisted it wasn't the beginning of the end for the Argentinian. I appreciate like a football player. I appreciate like a man what he did here. And the next time before you give that opinion, you can call me before you decide he's not in my plans, you can call me before you write if he's in my plans or not my plans. Aguero changed his style of play and City reaped the rewards as they hit 100 points in 2018 and 98 points in 2019, along with winning a whole host of cups too. But the striker was getting headlines away from the pitch as well. In August, he stood up for the City fans that were manhandled by police after being forced onto the pitch at Bournemouth. Zach Weir was arrested and charged, but the case against him was dropped after CCTV footage showed a surge behind him pushed him onto the field. He explains how Aguero helped. I started remonstrating and almost got himself in, in trouble with the police because the steward made an accusation. I think I was thrown out pretty much straight away. But obviously his involvement prompted a lot of support uh, on social media, which was a great help to constantly receive that support was great, so obviously I can't thank him enough. Um, I sent him a message last week, which obviously he saw, and then he replied to me, which was nice. What did he say? He just I sent him a message. Um, I did I did Spanish at level, so I was able to speak a little bit about that to him, uh, just to maybe a bit, a bit more personal to him in Spanish rather than English. And uh, he replied just saying thank you, and, and my Spanish is great, but I'm not too sure about that. <laughs> it was that 2017-18 season where he was also involved in a car crash when his taxi hit a lamppost in the Netherlands. That was after going to a concert on his day off. Accidents, as you say, can happen anywhere. What What is your view on where he was at the time? Did he have the, the club's permission to... to... Day, day off, I'm not a police. Even from the beginning, it was always clear that Aguero understood what it meant to be a City fan too. It was difficult not to warm to his cheekiness, as this Puma interview in 2017 showed. Name one current Manchester United player you'd have at Manchester City. I, I prefer no. <laughs> yeah. No. I prefer none. I prefer none. none. No one? No. His talents and his persona weren't limited to the pitch though. A few years later, while out injured, he went big as a Twitch streamer. It's in Spanish, but here's what happened when he scored a golden goal winner in the game Fall Guys. He was gaming because of a knee injury, and it was that knee injury that ultimately has done for Aguero at City. He's barely played this season after suffering regular flare-ups, plus a spell sidelined with the coronavirus. After Sunday's win over Everton, where Aguero scored twice from the bench just like his debut, Guardiola couldn't hold back the emotion. We love him so much. He's a... He's a special person for all of us. You're not having second thoughts, are you, Pep? He's so nice, he's so nice. Is it because of the human being 
as, as well as the footballer? Yeah, he helped me a lot. That's... It's been the challenge for you. You've had to do it replacing totems of this football club. We cannot, we cannot replace him. We cannot. There wasn't a dry eye in the house when Aguero said his goodbyes to the Etihad a few minutes later. As the last of the team from 2012 to leave City, it really is the end of an era. Is he the best that the Premier League has ever seen? Well, we'll leave that for others to decide. But he's definitely the greatest centre-forward in Manchester City history for us, and he's left a lasting impression. Hi, this is Paul Lake, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show by becoming a backer. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. That was a look at Aguero's uh, last 10 years with City. Um, Chris, it, it, it is a credit to Aguero, isn't it, that he adapted his game when Guardiola came in? Because it's no secret that uh, Guardiola likes his strikers to press, and, 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 and uh, Aguero wasn't the sort of... He was... He was the sort of player that could have three touches in a game but score three goals, and you'd kind of be happy with that. And Guardiola didn't really stand for that sort of striker. Yeah, absolutely. It's Again, it's credit to his character. Um, it's like he just keeps on giving, you know, he just keeps on impressing you. And like, like you say, you'd be happy with three touches and three goals. You're happy with what he's giving you. But when it comes down to it and he's asked for more, he delivers... And I thought it was a big ask because he does. He has had the odd muscle injury, um, and you know the high press isn't exactly high on his uh, agenda or priority <laughs> list. You wouldn't have thought prior to that, but you know uh, the strength of character of the man to to knuckle down and say, "Yeah, well, I I will do that." It's, it speaks of his humility and his 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 work ethic. And uh, like I say, just run out, run out of superlatives for him. It's yeah. just just an absolute godlike, uh, legendary city player. And yeah. I, I don't know if um, I know it's quite a, quite a segment on Aguero as it should be, but we should also reference the Bournemouth game where there was a little pitch invasion for a celebration, and um, the local constabulary decided to be a little bit heavy-handed with a few of our fans. And Aguero, it's one of my favourite ever photos where he basically just stepped in to help um, to help a brother out, basically. Yeah. Uh, so getting manhandled and he stepped in and he's, he's basically stood up to the, um, the copper that was manhandling one of our fans, which seemed a little bit out of order and he obviously thought so and he, he's well did you read what, he, what he wrote in his example. book about it well he's just sort of went barrio was it um, yeah he said he, he said it was like the barrio but he uh, but he said um uh, the police officer was uh being rough there was there was like four on one and they were being rough so i just told the coppers to fuck off <laughs> like, fair enough mate <laughs> talk about using your power for good exactly yeah and, and also it's a, a nice little nod to his English ability which he chooses to, <laughs> to exercise very very wisely yeah. uh, you know timing is everything when you're a striker <laughs> yeah uh, Richard just looking at his um, his record on the pitch obviously we talked about the, the goals um, it's 
It's incredibly sad, isn't it, that his his final season has been hampered so much by this knee injury. The fact that you know he, he always takes when he when he's been injured, he always takes three or four games to get back into the swing of things, and that's just not been able to happen this season because of the fact that you know he's out for a couple of games and then he plays a couple, but then the knee flares up again, and it just he's just had no rhythm whatsoever. Do you know it is sad. I mean, there's sort of no two ways about that. Like, he, he deserved, I suppose, more to his final year. I, I suppose if he'd have not had those injury problems and been on the pitch scoring goals, then it probably wouldn't have been his final year. So maybe that's a bit of a paradox anyway. But, um, like, it's not his legacy, is it? It's not what he's going to be remembered for. There'll always be. I think you, you do have to, when you talk about Aguero, you probably do have to acknowledge his injuries as well. Um, because if anything, they make his achievements all the more spectacular. He's still got himself so high in that goal scorers list. If he didn't have the injuries that he had once a season for so long, then he's probably challenging Shearer's record. Um, so, yeah, it it is sad. But in some ways, you know, all of that is what made those two goals so perfect as well, because... There was no guarantee that he was coming on that pitch to score goals because it's not what he's been doing. He is out of touch with it. You're right that he does that he does take three or four games to get warmed up. And actually in this little um, final few game renaissance, he's had scored an absolutely cracking goal at Palace. And then he's given us two goals in front of the fans that were absolutely brilliant. And maybe there's a little bit of extra value to those because they were a little bit more unlikely than goals have been for his entire career. So... It's not what he'll be remembered for. None of us will think Aguero and think final season wasn't great. Do you know, yeah. we're, we're going to <laughs> we're, we're going to think QPR. We're going to think that moment in time that he owns, like it, that is his forever, and that moment in our lives that that has his name on it and has his wheeling away on it and has that when you watch it back that intake of breath as the crowd goes silent for a split second before the world for City fans change forever, like. I, 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 in the moment, it's sad he didn't get to do more in his last season, but I, uh, I know I won't dwell on it when I think of Aguero. Just kind of finally for all of this, he, he scored all manner of goals for City. Um, Chris, obviously the QPR one is is the one that is the go-to. What other ones do you remember best from from, from his time? Uh, there's a f- well, there's so many in there. Um, the Phil Jones face one, obviously. Um, <laughs> there's the one where he had no right to even think about finishing against Liverpool. Yeah. Um, where he's basically heading towards the corner flag and he's looped it up. And it's like the Liverpool players, even as the ball's in the air, they don't they don't seem to be too concerned about it. Uh, there's a goal against... So I don't want to nick all all the goals here but <laughs> just just two more there's there's one I think it's against Burnley again from an acute angle out wide where he's just absolutely thwacked it and it's it, it's almost like it doesn't matter who's in the way or where the goal the player ratio is it's going in yeah that, like, that goal that Burnley goal is incredible because he's 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 got such a narrow angle and he actually mm. hits the near post he hits the near post, but he's hit it that hard that just goes across goal and goes in. <laughs> Doesn't it hit a player as well? Yeah, it's just it's just phenomenal. Like nobody does that. And the other one is the goal against Liverpool in that two-one, which gave one of the greatest uh, football photos 
of of Aguero as he as he wheeled away and there's blood splurging down his knee to his low socks because he can't pull his socks up because his calves are so muscular and perfect. But that near post finish where he takes a touch, it sits up, nobody's nobody's scoring from there. Again, the defenders the defender that's on him um can't get any nearer. He can't there's nothing being done wrong really defensively. But it's Sergio Aguero, so he lashes it into the roof of the net with just, oh, just. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about <laughs> like, these goals that, that he scored because you know these 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 are the moments of our of our lives as City fans, and um, you know I, I really appreciate it. Richard, I was going to say that uh, Chris is taking all the best ones, but there's so many Aguero <laughs> goals; it's just not true. There's plenty of yes, others, aren't there? Yeah, so I, I was worried that, like, one of those mind-blank things where you say, name your favourite something, and, like, it happened in the Patreon, where <laughs> I think you asked to name Joe Hart's favourite saves, and I forgot them all apart from one. Briefly worried for a moment the same is about to happen again, and of course it hasn't. Um, the second goal against Swansea on his debut, absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, the I think that one not just because of the excitement of his debut and um, like it was a great goal anyway, but in my old seat in the second tier, I sort of sat in the corner directly behind him. So I just had the perfect flight of the ball view. Um, and, and so it was one of them where you sort of knew as soon as it left his foot that something special was about to, to happen. Um, the first goal in the Pellegrini Moyes 4-1 derby where... He makes it look so easy because he the ball comes at him behind him. Mm. Um, I think around the six yard box. Is that the left foot volley? Yeah, yeah. and oh. he basically he basically cushions it in. And I, I guess the sort of style I describe it as is if you're playing. I mean, I've never done this to any quality because I'm atrocious. But if you if you're playing like heads and volleys with your mates, then like that's the weight that you want to put on it because you don't want the ball to drop down. You want it to land softly on someone's foot or, or chest or whatever. But he does that into the net past a top-level goalkeeper from behind him with his weaker foot in like a really high-pressure game because like, Pellegrini was still very much settling in and um, you know things hadn't clicked immediately. I think we'd already lost to, to Cardiff at that point. So there was, a lot of, um, there was a lot riding on that derby at the time. And... He's pulling that out the back, and it looks so easy. And the only reason it looks so easy is because he did it. Um, yeah. And then other ones. Um, the I I know it's already been said, but I have to mention the Liverpool near post goal. I won't try and review it again, but everything about that goal makes that, it a, a favourite. The, yeah. the noise, my God, the noise at the Etihad that that night. Um, the um, absolute leathered the ball uh, in at Sunderland in I think a four-one win. Um, where he, he, I think, just inside the 18-yard box, like probably sort of 17.99 yards out. And, like, that ball had done something to him. He was obviously angry at it because he's <laughs> just spanked it. And I, I watched that one on TV and I honestly, it was, it was in the net before I knew he'd kicked it. It was just absurd, absolutely <laughs> absurd. Um and then another mention for in a, in a perverse sort of way, uh, he scored an absolute belter against Leicester in 5-1 win. Um, 
I think it was 5-1. And uh, that, that one's a, a bit of a, almost a regret on my part because it is one of the only games in, in my entire life. I think I've done it three times. Uh, it was a game that I left early because I, I had tickets for a concert that night with uh, Kieran Murray of this parish. Um, so we, we left early and as we were walking away, we had the roar behind us. So Who are you going to help? see? It better be good. Well, it's all subjective, isn't it? Uh, we, were, we were going to see Kendrick Lamar. Oh, fair play. Yeah, he was... Uh, <laughs> He was very, very good. Yeah, not as good as Aguero's finished that. Not, night, though, not but... Sergio Aguero, though, is he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, a couple. He's, he's absolutely not. Very different skill sets. <laughs> His goals to minutes ratios. <laughs> yeah, awful in the Premier League, isn't he? Um, a couple of others that uh, haven't been mentioned that uh, that I want to throw in as well. Uh, he scored one um, in a six nil drubbing of Chelsea, where, where yeah. he bent it into the top corner from about three hundred yards out, having like five minutes earlier missed an open goal from mm. from a yard. Uh, so he's like, yeah, sure, I can't finish that one, but yeah, well, I'll just pop it in the top corner from this distance. Thank you very much. Uh, and the other one was, I, I don't know which one of his goals it was, uh, but he scored a hat-trick at Watford, where and, and there was one of the goals oh. he dribbled through the entire team and then flicked it past the goalkeeper as he came out and hit the post and went in. And it's it's a sublime finish. Honestly, there's there must be uh, compilations out there on YouTube of, of the best Aguero goals. Go and look at them because I, I'm, you can entertain yourself all day with those. And they will it's, have uh, some absolutely atrocious music over them. Yeah, they will. That's that's the kind of forte <laughs> of, uh, of YouTube compilations, isn't it? Um, but before we move on, uh, I should point out as well, the MCFC Fans Food Bank Support Gang are currently raffling off a fantastic Sergio Aguero oil painting by Manchester artist and City fan John Dempsey. John's got several paintings hung in the Goose Green Gallery in Altrincham, uh, where this Aguero oil painting also has a reserve of £200. It could be yours. All you've got to do is make any donation to the Greater Manchester Food Bank's fundraiser. The best thing to do is take a look at the Food Bank Twitter page, at MCFC Food Bank, and the link is on their profile there. Uh, you can donate as much or as little as you like. Your donation amount isn't going to change your chances of winning. Once you've done that, forward the donation receipt to them on email, and the winner will be announced on Thursday the 10th of June. All the details are on their Twitter account as we say at mcfc food bank or you can email them mcfcfoodbank at gmail.com for help remember you can donate as much or as little as you like everything is going towards helping the 20 food banks in greater manchester and you could win yourself a wonderful sergio aguero oil painting to mark his 10 years at city now it's time to move on and we're going to hear from howard hocking for the final time this season he's also paying tribute to aguero's last decade at the etihad I too want to talk about Sergio Aguero. But when I think about what to say, my mind keeps flashing back to one thing. How he saved us all. Because when I see a headline quoting Bernardo Silva saying the Champions League final is the biggest game in City's history, I know he is wrong, and I know he couldn't possibly comprehend, as a 17-year-old in Portugal that day, what it meant to all of us that Sergio Aguero scored that third goal on that warm May afternoon at the Etihad. Now that goal against QPR needs no description for anyone listening to this. It's embedded in our brains, in our psyche. I am now going to do something terrible, and it is terrible, because I get nervous watching that last minute of footage, even though I know Aguero scores, still to this day. So the terrible thing I will mention is what would have happened if he had sliced that ball wide. Well, we probably had a minute or so of open play to score, but essentially it was a done deal. And I mention that unthinkable prospect because Sergio Aguero really did save us all that day. The scars of not winning the match were barely faded away, now we're in 2021. He saved us all from hell, if there is such a thing. 
the worst summer of our lives and the unshakable belief that we would always be a united shadow and that typical city really was a disease for which there was no known cure. All that wiped to one swing of a chunky thigh. And whilst that match may have taken years off my life, that one moment from Sergio gave us City fans far more than a comfortable 4-0 win that day could ever do. It gave us fans an experience and a moment that 99% of football fans will never themselves experience in a lifetime. Its importance is essentially infinite. And he saved us and then became the club's greatest ever goalscorer just for good measure. Because that moment and the season that preceded it was easily enough for legend status for Sergio. But whilst that moment can never be matched by any player in any circumstances, he still did his thing for another nine seasons. Well, eight, truth be told. Pepe's right that he is not replaceable. City may well bring in a world-class strike and win loads of trophies and will form loads of great new memories, but there will never be another Sergio Aguero. If Harry Kane scores 40 a season for seven years, that would be amazing. If Haaland does the same for 10 years, even more so. But there'll never be Sergio Aguero, and I don't think they'll have that something undefinable that he brought to the table. I hope I'm proved wrong, but distilled down, that is just how it is for me, and perhaps others. But then we don't need to replicate our departing legends. Yaya Torre was not replaceable, but players come in, make the mark in their own way, and we all move on. But yeah, away from that day for Sergio, the goals are quite important too. Strikers will always be revered more than anyone else. Fernandinho could be the greatest DM in the history of the sport, but there's no stat to prove that, whereas goals can take you a long way. I mean, he scored a goal against United that fossilised Phil Jones' face forever. And he could score them all, headers, tap-ins, long-range efforts, and he hit the ball in a way that few can. The ball stayed hit, for sure. And he scored against the best, no stat padding for this guy. If he was in the mood, and he usually was, he was likely to score against any team in the world. Now, I don't like to rank City's legends, of which there have been many in recent years. David Silva's departure got me the hardest. Sergio Aguero may have pipped that, but I wonder how the last year has heightened all of our emotions, Pep included. All I know is he's on the podium with ease, and that returning to grounds next season will be joyous for me, but there will still be a hole left by not seeing Aguero in the City shirt again. His constant injury woes have made the transition slightly more bearable, but only slightly. But essentially this whole piece is pointless, sorry about that, because that special something about Sergio Aguero is not definable in words, and if it is then I'm not good enough a writer to do it. Forget all the stats, the goals, the staggering debut season. Forget the cheeky smell and how annoyingly attractive he is. There's just something else. One of those people who has a presence in a packed room without speaking or doing anything. Now, I've never been in a room with him, but I instinctively know that statement to be true. And because what made Sergio Aguero unique is not easy to define, I've wasted everyone's time here. But hey, hopefully I took your mind off the Champions League final for just a few minutes. Until, of course, I said the words Champions League final. And so, as is often the case, I end up going back to that opening season. It's the new mon and a bare-chested hero swirling a shirt above his head. Perhaps that is why we almost took his genius for granted at times, as he peaked early, climbing Everest on his first day in Nepal, and then just hanging around near the summit, admiring the view. I think the fact that Sergio Aguero, from Argentina to Spain and then to an often grey northern English city, became City's record goalscorer with ease... It's because he stayed with other legends for a decade at Little Old City, the club no one cares about. And that is the biggest endorsement you can give for how to run a football club properly, if you can excuse the occasional misstep in deciding to join the European Super League. 
Because how else would Sergio Aguero, David Silva, Fernandinho, Vincent Company, Yaya Torre and more stay so long at this club? It's not because of results alone, as even within the last spectacular decade, City have had their barren spells, low points and upheaval. They stayed because they became honorary Mancunians, because they felt loved by those around them. That's why Pep Guardiola is reduced to tears at the thought of a player leaving when he has seen hundreds of them pass by in his time as a football manager. City's legends were always more than mere footballers, and Sergio Aguero certainly was. A statue is the least we can do for them, and him, before they begin a new chapter in their lives. I just never thought the City chapter would take so long to read. At the end of a difficult year for us all, perhaps it's the right time for Sergio to move on. We begin the next season hopefully with a fresh start, a clean slate, and with new legends lined up to earn their own statues one day. They're all unique in their own way, but for reasons I cannot put into words, Sergio was more unique than them all. Hi, this is David Bernstein, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. That was Howard Hock in there. Uh, we are actually going to gear change now and change uh, change direction entirely for the uh, for this show because there is the small matter of a Champions League final on Saturday. Um, so, Richard, what does it mean for you as a City fan to, to finally get there after 10 years of trying? I mean, it's really big, isn't it? Um, I, I probably need to like say at the start because, um, like, I've been on record a good number of times on on this podcast is saying uh, and and explaining why I view the Premier League as more important. So, um, I, and I think at times I've probably said the the Carabao is more important, and my feelings on that are open to change on Saturday. Um, or they're <laughs> you, open to very much being... Yeah, they're open to very much being even more fixed than ever. Um, but Jack Gorn gave a great line on last week's podcast when he said, um, you don't have to think it's the most important game or your favourite game to accept that it's the biggest game City you've ever played or ever been in. And I think it's, um, I think that line has recalibrated my thinking a little bit about what this game... I mean, obviously... I well aware of, of what it means but I think it's maybe changed my view of it a little bit because this is this is City on what is perceived as the most elite stage it's the the competition that regardless of what I think or what what anybody thinks it is the competition that competition that is viewed as the most prestigious it's the one that um City's various failures or of falling short or, or frankly bad luck um it, it it's it's the one that has almost defined them for, for so long now because everybody can always say whatever you point to, everybody will always say, yeah, you're not won the Champions League. Um, I don't think that it should be the barometer of success and prestige, but it it is. And, and I, I sort of uh, have made my peace with that. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, it just, it just means absolutely loads. Um, People will find it hard to find the romance in this, and and I understand it for neutrals. But in terms of what it means and where the romance lies, like the romance is in the city fans that were there in Division Two and that are going now, or the sons and daughters of mums and dads who were there in Division Two who are travelling with them to Portugal to go and watch City on the biggest stage of all, or it's the city fans who 
have never seen a relegation um, yeah. and have come to it a slightly different way. And the, the fairy, the fairy tale is for them, isn't it? The fairy, it's not a fairy tale story for City. They've got a lot of money and bought good players. Exactly. That's it. But for, for exactly. the fans, the fans haven't changed. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's all that, and so you know, for me on a personal note, and um, maybe that's not what people are tuning in for, but for me, it's um, I, I spent I spent twenty three years of having a season ticket with my dad going home and away um, for for a good deal of that. I've been around Europe with him, and uh, we're not going to the final, but. Um, He's going to be at my house. My mum and dad are going to be watching it whilst my own son will <laughs> hopefully be asleep upstairs in his, in his little city baby grow. And I hope it's something that I can tell him about in time. And to me, I think that that's where, where the romance in, in this kind of thing lies. And um, I'm, I'm very touched. Uh, if it, probably not, probably underselling it really, but um, it's, a, it, it's a really big deal that City are there and I can't wait. Yeah, Chris, how how are the nerves? Because I'm I'm kind of likening this to the FA Cup in 2011. Because for me, that was the first time I'd seen City in any final whatsoever, and I was absolutely cacking my pants that day. I'm not going to lie. Champions League final? Ah, not that bothered, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, we've kind of had to take that tack, haven't we? Uh, it's been so kind of mean to us over the over the years. Um, and similarly to what Richard was saying about this sweet, sweet Carabao and its alluring aroma, um, you know, this this is it is the biggest game, um, whether you like it or not, uh, and whether you want to win it, just to say to UEFA, haha, we've won it, even though you didn't want us to, or whether you've been desiring it like the most precious thing that you could conceive of. You can't you can't deny it's it's uh, it is the biggest game on the biggest stage and yeah I've I've been trying to like calm myself and be of like a, you know a collected disposition about it and I'll turn to the right and say hey it's okay we're fine it's cool we're not we're, and then I'm the only person in the room and I'm like oh, God you're <laughs> the wall again and then I'll. I'll get on with my work or whatever, and then uh, in a in a quiet moment, a thought will pop into my head, and that thought is Champions League final, Champions League final, Champions League final. <laughs> you know, it's kind of getting to me, man. Um, it's it's creeping up on me like, uh, well, like the Champions League final, I guess. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's 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 starting to uh, you know dominate my every uh, waking thought. To be yeah. honest, not uh, a healthy position to be in, really, is it? Given that no. it's on Saturday evening and we're currently recording this on Thursday night. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, that's near, isn't it? That's near. Yeah, but you've uh, got a whole, you've got a, virtually two days of of just constant thinking about it now. I which know, I know, mate. I know, mate. I mean, I'm trying to distract myself from it. It's uh, what was the question? Yeah, I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm nervous. Nervous. Yeah, good. Because uh, I am as well, so that's all right. Um, Richard, are you glad that this is being played outside the UK? And I use that word um, kind of with a little bit of trepidation because um, obviously if it was in the UK, it would probably give a lot more fans the opportunity to go to the game. I was calling for it to be in the UK as well because that would help both City and Chelsea fans get there. Um, But ultimately, because they're playing an English side, the fact that it's not in the UK, it feels like a European final, doesn't it? 
Yeah, exactly that. I, I've got um, foot in both camps on this one, 100%. Um, not like me to fence it, I know, or see both <laughs> sides of an argument. But it's true, like, it had to move. Um, I was, you know, I made my opinion on that very clear on uh, the last time I was on the podcast, when we, which was after the, the semi-final, second leg. Um, it, it had to move. It was the only fair thing to do for um, for supporters. It was the right thing to do for the game itself um, and for the occasion. I think... Of course, it would have been lovely to have it in this country. The Wembley being an obvious, um, an obvious place to host it, and there was a willingness for for that to happen, and to to make other events move to facilitate it. But then, on the other hand, if you're walking down Wembley Way to watch City v Chelsea, does it have the same special feeling? What's going to be different to an FA Cup final? Okay, it's a different game, but we've been beat by Chelsea at Wembley in the last couple of months. Um, we've beaten them in a League Cup final recently. We've had Munich Shields, Granite at Villa Park. We've had an FA Cup semi-final over them. Like this, it's not a rarefied event to play to play Chelsea at Wembley, and so for that reason, um, can I just say as well? It's sorry to interrupt, but it's like a, it's a bit of a comfort zone, comfort zone, isn't it, for Chelsea playing it in London? Like, yeah, that's true. A bit that's advantageous true. to them in terms of us having to travel down to London, and they're just like, uh, "We're in our, we're in our manner," as they, uh, I believe, they say <laughs> down there, as they say all the time. <laughs> they do, yeah. Um, so yeah. Sorry, I, so, I just thought, I thought Suggs was on the podcast. Then it just, yeah, I. Uh... Oh, w- watcher. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, I, I totally agree. Not yeah. Yeah. Get, no, no, so get, getting it in, in Portugal is for those fans that are, are fortunate enough to be going. I think it, it will give it more of a special feel. Uh, selfishly, I'd have had more chance of going if it was in London, but I, I don't begrudge anybody going to this game. And a lot of them have got to do it for um, <laughs> probably a cheaper or at least similar cost to what they'd have paid if it was in London. So it's, uh, I think it's worked out pretty well. I think it's a, it's a decent resolution. Yeah, um, let's actually talk about the football now because we haven't done that yet. And uh, Chrissy, are you at all worried by the fact that that Tuchel's Chelsea have beaten City twice recently? Uh, a little bit in terms of momentum and confidence. Um, and I've sort of been debating this with my, my mates and saying, you know, well, we've not played our strongest team, um, and I've, you know, there's been a, it's been met with. Uh, a modicum of derision in terms of, ooh, the secret formula, they don't know what our best team is. Of course they do. It's our best team. We know, everybody knows what our best team is. But as a player, you know, you're playing against a team and you're beating them, but you're knowing full well that the players, some of the players in that team are going to be replaced by players that you've not recently beaten, that you know are better, probably in the back of your head, you're thinking we've just played against these players and beat them because they've been picked because they're not the optimal selection. Yeah, they're not at the desired level just yet, yeah. Yeah, and the players that we are going to face, does that mean they're probably going to be, they're better than us, aren't they? Because they've just won the league. Um, They, one of the pivotal points in the season was the Chelsea game where we, uh, you know, dismantled them with no little aplomb and, uh, I'm not too concerned about it. Obviously, it would have been nicer to to have beaten Chelsea in the last couple of games. It sticks in my craw a little bit about uh, the FA Cup semi-final. Not because, you know, the word quadruple should be 
stricken from the, the lexicon. But <laughs> like, we could have won that. We, I felt we kind of palmed it off a bit. And you know, who am I to, to second guess Guardiola? But yeah, there's a few question marks there. But overall, no, not that concerned. Um, we're going to go in there knowing full well that uh, full strength if we play well. I don't care how well Chelsea play, who they pick, who they've got to select. If we go in there, put a good performance in, we're going to win the game. So bring it. Yeah, Richard, um, you look at how the season's ended. There's a a lot of people talking about the idea that... uh, you know, City have had a, a, effectively a few weeks off because they won the title early and Chelsea have had to battle to get into the top four. Um, so they've had a bit of rhythm because they've had game, they've had stuff riding on their games where City have been rotating all over the shop. But then equally, Chelsea were lucky to get into the top four because they've la- they've lost, what is it, three of the last four games. So they haven't really got that rhythm. Is it Honestly, tell me honestly, is it just bollocks, that end of the season stuff? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't go that far. I think there's a reason that... I think people in pretty much any sport talk about momentum. I mean, I think momentum's a big thing in anything. I think you can, you know, in my job, if I um, if I do that well one day and I have a really good day and I don't know, I've maybe done something above and beyond and, and helped somebody out in a way that I don't normally get to, I'd probably go into work the next day feeling a little bit better about it than if it's just been a, a standard day and I'm sort of... Um, you know, driving home in the driving home in the rain, knowing that I'm going back to another fairly standard day tomorrow. Like momentum's a momentum does carry you through things sometimes, and I think in sport there's a reason it's a cliche. So um, I, I I don't think it's rubbish. Um, I'm not sure how much it will come into play in this game um, because the, there's two ways. The, I mean. Again, there's always different ways to slice it. Chelsea are in match rhythm. They've had to be playing the best players, and, and um, but they've lost games, including a cup final. Um, Weather feels somewhat aggrieved as well because they were uh, they thought they'd equalised and then it was ruled out by VAR and everything. So that will that will still be on the mind, I'm sure. Um, City had a mad game at Newcastle with a weakened team. Mad game at Brighton, they lost, but on the final day, put in a really, really good performance against an all right team um, who, to be fair, weren't weren't really all right on the day, but, you know, they're not um, always the most easily dismissed. So City go into the game with momentum in that sense. So um, I, I think it's... I, I probably do put a lot of stall in the fact that City haven't been playing their strongest 11 in the two games against Chelsea. Um, like Chris sort of said, like his friend saying but they know you're going to play. But again, to quote from a previous podcast, there was that line that I think Sam Lee had dug up about the only real um, the only real practice is lived experience. And the, or the only way of knowing how to deal with something is lived experience. And we haven't quite given Tuch or that. He's a, or Tuchel. He's a, a wily manager. He's a, a, a tactically shrewd manager. We're heading for maybe the most cataclysmic nerd off of all time. Uh, but <laughs> he has not. Um, he has not played Pep's best City team and City's approach won't be the same as it was in those two games and I would I don't know what the result will be and I don't know how confident I feel because one-off games are one-off game but I would bet the house that City will uh, will create more than they did in those games yeah 
Uh, we've talked about the, the team selection, Chris, and, and the fact that uh, we can... I, I guess we can pretty much name what that team is going to be. There's one or two questions uh, over a couple of positions, though, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw these to you guys. Uh, and the first yeah. one, I guess, is uh, Cancelo or Zinchenko. What do you reckon he's, he's going to pick there? I don't know. I mean, on, on form, um, you'd probably say Zinchenko, bar that pass... Uh, that that conceded a penalty against Everton. I think he's been been excellent. Um, Cancelo had a bit of a shaky start, perhaps, um, to the season, and then has been a bit of a powerhouse, and then maybe a little dip. But for Chelsea, <laughs> I mean, it's you know horses for courses, and you pick you pick the team for the for the game rather than just on form uh, that one for me is more of a 50-50 than possibly the other one which you might be about to mention which is Rodri or Fernandinho yeah well that, that was my other one Richard um, what uh, I mean Chris, is, Chris isn't sure between Cancelo and Zinchenko I'm perfectly understandable are, are you sure between Rodri and Fernandinho um, I think I'm probably fairly sure on what my preference would be I'm not sure on what Pep will do. What's um, your preference? I think I prefer, on form, I think I prefer Fernandinho. 100%. I, um, yeah, I mean, I like I like Rodri. I know he, he gets a bit of stick sometimes and I think he's a bit harshly scapegoated, which is an odd word to use because there's not much to scapegoat when you win two, maybe three trophies in a season. But I do think sometimes is. Don't get me wrong, he does. It, not every performance is, is a great one from him yet. But... I think That's he part does his, of his job. role, though, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think he does his job pretty well, but I think this occasion p- probably calls for something a little bit different. Um, I think Fernandinho does a bit of everything. I think he can do what Rodri does. He can maybe dictate the pace of a game a little bit better. He's probably got a little bit more nous in slowing a game down if we need to. If there's a um, nous is the word. Nous is yeah. the right word. It, if there's a sort of frantic few minutes, couple of hefty tackles, as long as he's not the one <laughs> dishing them out, um, then he can, I think he can calm players down. I think people probably, you know, if he gives you an instruction on the pitch because of what he sees, maybe the players probably trust that a little bit more than they do with Rodri at the moment. He's a clever um, man, isn't he? He's a clever man, yeah, a clever footballer. Exactly. But I, I guess for that reason, um, if I can double back ever so slightly, I think that maybe would also force me uh, as if I have any decision-making power, but that would probably prompt me to say Zinchenko over Cancelo because I think maybe Zinchenko... It seems that, I don't know, this might sound a mad thing to say, so feel free to tell me I'm talking nonsense, but I reckon at the moment it probably offers you a little bit more defensive solidity and what you lose in some of the sort of almost revolutionary attacking play, um, I, I think could be... I think that def- solidity could maybe be pretty valuable in this game. Yeah, um, I, I want to. The final question for the the preview is uh, about the referee because him and Guardiola have history. Um, uh, this is obviously the referee that uh, didn't allow City's second goal against Liverpool. He sent uh, Guardiola off in that game at half time. Um, uh, does that change the way you're thinking about this game, Chris? Are you nervous about what the what the referee might do in this game, or is it a case of? City don't. City can't control that. So just control what they can control, and they'll win the game if they play well. Yes, I would agree with what you just said in terms of do what we do, do it well. But we were doing what we do and doing it really well against Liverpool. 
and that cretin ruined it. Um, I hate him. Um, but yeah, I really uh, trying to avoid being that. Well, I've done it now, haven't I? But like <laughs> what Pep was saying about uh, not giving it a second thought. No, what are you on about me? No, I've not thought about that. No. Uh, it's kind of like I don't want to put those ripples out into the, the universe uh, for fear of of what comes back. Just, You're very about karma this week, aren't you? I'm, yeah, I'm trying to be karma. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard. But like, um, terrible puns aside, um, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. But he is one of these referees that, you know, the mark of a good referee is if you don't really notice him. And he has a history of being a bad referee because you notice him. And that game against Liverpool being a case in point, there were some big swings in that game um, that really ruined it for us. And yeah, I think Pep's playing it sensibly from a psychological point of view in his response. Uh, he was just very dismissive and just like, you know, and if the ref sees that, then I just hope there isn't an agenda that we'll have to uh, talk about combating. Yeah, Richard, uh, I, I don't want to worry you further. This was the same referee for uh, City's extraordinary 5-3 win over Monaco in 2017. Um, I don't know if you remember in that game, but I think the score was at, uh, at, at 0-0 at the time, or it might, may have been one all at the time. Uh, Aguero rounded the goalkeeper, or went to round the goalkeeper, and was just kicked into the air inside the penalty area. Uh, and it was it was blatantly obvious to everybody but the referee in the stadium that, that it was a foul. And to make matters worse, he booked Aguero for diving. Yeah, um, vaguer recollection of that than the nonsense against Liverpool. Um, our experience with him is that he's a bad referee and um, we've suffered more from what the, the incompetence that we've seen than we have gained from it, um, significantly more. Um, but that said, I... I don't really worry about stuff like that before a game because it's just so far out of control. Um, if it were to rear its head and we suffer for him making atrocious decisions, all right. Um, it's all I'll, out I'll, of our control, though, isn't it? We shouldn't worry about any of it. That, okay. It's, it's <laughs> that's, been that's ruining very, very my true, mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's really true. Yeah, what a great way to uh, absolutely annihilate this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Speak <laughs> <laughs> um, for yourself, no. though, Chris. I've got hopes of playing on Saturday. I thought. Uh... Well, it's to the detriment of the scouting system if you don't. <laughs> I've just made the Fernandinho decision, so I know that I've got some control. Yeah. Um, but no, in all seriousness, like we know, we, we've we all watch City regularly. We know what City can do. We also know what their um, weaknesses can be so we, there's things there that we can be confident about and we can worry about but the referee we've seen him twice I think I, I don't know that we've been ref by him any other times um, I, I don't pay enough attention to referees to note the performances across other Champions League games or domestic competition so uh, like I say if I have cause to be angry then I'm sure I'll be angry but I'm, uh, I'm really other than answering this question not paying it any thought He's due, he's due a good game against us, you know. Give against the a us, that's, a, that's an interesting choice of words, against us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spare me the Freud on that one, jeez. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Right, uh, well, nobody, nice as well. 
<laughs> uh, nobody got the 5-0 correct scoreline against Everton on last week's show so that means there's only one more chance to add to our total for this season's charity bet we're raising money for the Christie Hospital in Manchester treating cancer patients and we're doing it with three correct score singles from William Hill so far this season we've raised £1,185 uh, Chris what's your score prediction for the final we're going for 90 minutes by the way we're going to absolutely smash them 1-0. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> uh, if that happens, it's 5-1 uh, to one and £50 if you're right. Uh, I've gone for a 2-1 City win because I, like Chris, I'm a bit of a masochist and think it's going to be really, really tight. Uh, that's 8-1 to one and £80 if I'm right. Richard, what's your scoreline? Um, on the basis that I'm really bad at predictions in the hope of getting something that's within sort of reason but might be decent odds um, and not at all reflecting... My actual confidence, I'm going 3-0 City. Uh, that's 14 to 1 and £140 if you're right. So I do hope you're right because one, it makes the final a lot easier for us to bear and two, <laughs> it adds a lot of money to the pot. So uh, yeah, fingers crossed on that one. Uh, you've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change and please gamble responsibly. If you'd like to find out more about gambling responsibly, then head over to begambleaware.org. And that's it for this week's Blue Moon Podcast. Thank you very much for listening and thank you to my guests, Richard Burns. Thank you very much, David and Chris. And Chris Higginbottom. Cheers, guys. Pleasure as always. We've got an extra special Patreon bonus show this week. It's a look back at all six of the legends of the 2012 title-winning team that have left under Pep Guardiola's management. We're paying tribute to each of them as Sergio Aguero becomes the final player from that era to move on. That bonus show will also be available on the main feed in a couple of weeks' time, but if you'd like to hear it before then, you can sign up to our Patreon page. You'll get the bonus shows on any of the tiers at patreon.com forward slash Podcast, and you can also go back and listen to all of the extra shows we've done since we launched the Patreon in 2016. On top of that, you'll get ad-free versions of the main show as well. Next week will be our final podcast of the season, so let's hope it's a positive one after the Champions League final. We are planning for it to be another virtual Blue Moon podcast live, meaning that we can have an ex-player on the panel and we'll have a bit of an audience as well. But I'm afraid to say that I am so bad at planning this year that uh, that's as much as I know so far. We've not booked anybody yet. Uh, If it happens, we'll be sure to let you know on our Twitter feed, at Blue Moon Podcast. But if it doesn't, then we'll have another regular show coming your way next week as a replacement. Fingers crossed for the final, everyone. Godspeed. That was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. Come on, you blue boys. Which ones? Which ones? Our ones. <laughs> <laughs>